G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, hasn't it been a significant week? Census week only comes around every five years and we're asked to give all sorts of details about ourselves and about our families when we respond to the ABS census. And uh, there still could be a little bit of time if you haven't filled out your census form yet, but don't leave it too long. There are some fines if you don't give up all that information. And the information, very necessary information and used for the progress of what happens so far as government funding for so many different areas of Australian life. While we're on the issue of privacy, Bill Muhlenberg's been writing about privacy rights this week. And Bill Muhlenberg joining us. Bill, welcome back to 2020. Always good to be here. Bill, we always feel a bit uncomfortable giving up all sorts of personal details, but more and more our privacy is being taken away. You've had some thoughts of recent times about what the biblical foundation might be for how we look at privacy. Yes, there's a lot of uh, kind of issues that arise here, related issues. Uh, The census obviously brings some of this to the fore. Some of our recent talks about, well, the surveillance state, uh, you know, how the lockdown situation in the West, we're increasingly monitoring what people do, where they go, what shops they enter, what they buy. And we've talked about communist China, the social credit system, where basically you've got 24-7 hardcore surveillance of all the citizens of China. So they effectively have no privacy rights. All of their conversations are monitored where they go, what they do. So, yeah, we can tie in things like Western lockdowns for the COVID and just how much that may or may not violate our rights to privacy, the census. Uh, This time, 65 questions, as you say, hopefully all used for the good, uh, useful information to help the government. But, of course, well, governments can always easily misuse uh, information. They can easily take all the kind of private information we're sharing in things like a census and use it for perhaps nefarious ends. We never want to get to the place where we think governments are always benign, always going to be the best for the people. Governments and power, they can both become easily corrupted. Uh, So, yeah, there'd be some, I suppose, who may not even have filled in the census uh, worried about uh, privacy concerns. So a lot of issues do arise at a place like this. I imagine because there's not a lot of specific interest in the scriptures on what happens for the privacy of the individual that we can't glean some things from a bigger context, uh, general principles uh, from the Bible. Any thoughts here about where we might start? Yeah, just uh, the other day I did write an article on this very matter 
and it did come out of an earlier piece I had done on the surveillance culture, how we're losing our fundamental rights, including the right to privacy. So one fellow wrote in, I don't know if he was being hostile or legitimate, but he said, well, Bill, where is where do you have a right to privacy found in the Bible? So as is often the case when the question requires more than a short answer in a comment, I did write a whole article, so trying to lay out, okay, is there such a thing as a biblical uh, right to privacy? I began that piece by saying, obviously, well, a lot of stuff in Scripture is not uh, either covering directly issues we face today, and we have to be careful. If your principle is we can only do that which Scripture says we can do, or we should never do that which Scripture does not say anything about, well, that can be a very dangerous place to be in. Obvious case in point, the Bible nowhere talks about Internet pornography. So does that mean the Bible is just fine with it because it doesn't mention it? We can go for it? Uh, No, obviously. Uh, All kinds of new things, including new technologies, are not directly discussed in Scripture. So, yeah, as you say, then we look at uh, more broad biblical principles. Obviously, here with porn, you look at what the Bible says about human sexuality, about immoral lusts and desires, and you'd have enough biblical data to be able to make a case about things like Internet porn. So I think the same here. We don't have a direct set of... uh, passages, as far as I know of, on the issue of privacy rights, but we do have the generic right, uh, biblical principles, the human beings made in the image of God, we all should be treated with respect and dignity. Uh, We do have some related things. Uh, I think the right to private property is actually pretty clearly spelled out in Scripture. I mean, the whole right, Sixth Commandment, do not steal. Well, that presupposes the right to private property. So if you put these various bits and pieces together, I think you can come up with, uh, well, what modern human rights declarations speak about when they discuss such things as privacy rights. We might even be able to settle on the idea that some of these privacy rights and private ownership actually spring out of this understanding of our Christian faith. But there's an interesting thing here. We talk about privacy as a right or rights to privacy, but this idea of there being a balance in a corresponding sense of responsibility, that's also an important element here. And I guess if you want to have privacy, you've got to take responsibility, and that might mean that we're all responsible for a level of integrity. Any thoughts here on those balances? Yeah, that's good points, obviously, and some of those things I do indeed cover in my recent article. Uh, The first one being that almost, well, first of all, this concept of rights talk is actually fairly recent. Uh, You know, the idea that everybody has inherent human rights and so on. Uh, That's kind of a new way of thinking and talking in terms of human history. Uh, It wasn't always the case, but as I say in my article, a good case can be made that pretty much all of what we now enjoy in terms of things like human rights and the like really can be drawn straight out of the Judeo-Christian worldview. 
It's exactly because we do have this sense of being made in God's image. We are all image bearers of the one true God. Uh, Because of that, we can speak of human rights, not just rights that a government might give you, which then they can easily take away, but rights that we are given, uh, you know, by God himself. In fact, the U.S. Constitution speaks in that kind of language. These are God-given rights, not something mere man can give. So that's the first broad point, to simply enjoy and speak of things like human rights. Uh, I think we as Christians can take a bit of uh, pride in the fact that it really becomes something that our own faith has contributed to. And then if you look at all these modern, uh, you know, human rights declarations and charters, Well, most of them, you know, will not mention God. They won't mention the origins of human rights. But we can say that, you know, they're they're running on spiritual capital, borrowed spiritual uh, history. They they are taking what came from uh, the Judeo-Christian worldview and now trying to make it as uh, something important, which it is. The question is, how far can you go when you strip something of its very foundation Right. If you get rid of God and being made in God's image, how far can we go with talk about human rights? Then again, it becomes merely whatever the state decides is right or wrong. Uh, or in the case of these lockdowns, as we've said before, uh, first of all, it snatches away a lot of our basic rights, you know, locking us down 23 hours a day, five kilometer travel, vaccine passports. First, they snatch away basic rights, and then they feel real good about themselves. They give us a few crumbs back over time. Well, you can maybe now travel 10 kilometers from home, or you can maybe have two hours out of your home a day. Uh, First of all, they shouldn't have taken our rights away in the first place, and they certainly don't get any credit for now in dribs and drabs giving us some bits and pieces back. If the state can successfully take away all of those physical rights, uh, the ability to travel and uh, all of those things that we're talking about, whether it's every dimension of COVID that we've been discussing, is that just a step away from taking away your right to believe what you want? Because these sorts of rights are under threat too as we're debating the idea of religious freedom. Yes, exactly. Uh, As is often said, and rightly so, all rights tend to be interconnected, right? If you start meddling with some rights, that's going to have an impact on other rights. And we're certainly seeing this played out right now over the last year and a half with the COVID lockdown uh, situation. Uh, Those who may speak out either against governments and draconian lockdowns or speak up for certain medical treatments like ivermectin, which tend to be played down or suppressed or even made illegal by many states, uh, well, you can find yourself being booted off uh, both government and, uh, you know, big tech websites, uh, LifeSite News, some of your uh, listeners may be aware of, a great uh, American-based 
uh, outfit that covers all kinds of issues, the life issues and so on, because they have been, you know, a bit critical, asking hard questions about COVID and COVID responses. They have been entirely taken down by some of the tech giants. And increasingly, the state is saying, uh, you know, we will not allow these contrary points of view to be heard. There was just a piece I saw today in the Herald Sun, several Victorians who dared to question the narrative and look at alternatives. They are now being directly targeted by the state. So, yeah, all these rights go, go together. Uh, and we've talked before about how uh, places are now saying we will look directly at your phone, whether it's companies like Apple saying we will monitor every one of our iPhones for questionable content, whether it's the government using the QR code tracking system. Uh, it's all a piece, really. It goes together when you start uh, meddling with certain rights easily uh, becomes the case where other rights are also come under attack. So it's things we have to be careful about and think through carefully. Well, we certainly are at a precarious point when it comes to the sorts of rights that we might expect that we can hold. Uh, They may not be rights for much longer if the governments are able to take away so many rights physically and therefore so many rights about what you can believe and what you can say through statements that you might make on your own private platforms of delivery of the sorts of things you want to think about and express the things that you believe. Bill, the latest article we're talking about today, one that you've written this past week, and dealing with these issues around privacy, it's called On Privacy Rights. And so for listeners, if you want to find out what Bill's been writing about on privacy rights, go to billmuhlenberg.com or you can simply Google Culture Watch One Word. Bill, great update. Thanks so much for talking to us once again today on 2020. Thanks again, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 